my technology background, my athletic background, my network, and the ability for college kids to make money, this is the inflection point where I decide, okay, there's a place here where I can marry the two and make a really cool impact. We're not building a complicated tokenomics-based Web3 game. This is a fun video game that includes NFTs and allows holders to play with their favorite players and get some of their time and money back that they put into the game. Like NFL Street or NFL Blitz, super over-the-top physics, dramatic tackling, celebrations, taunting, dancing. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. I don't consider myself a person motivated by quotes. I don't necessarily live by plaques on the wall reminding me there's no traffic on the extra mile or anything like that. But I've quoted Hemingway before on this year's show. If something is wrong, fix it if you can, but don't spend your time worrying because that solves nothing. That's one of my core principles. Problem, fix it. A lot of time worrying doesn't help, right? I I like that one. That always works for me. But now I'm going to share one of my other favorites, this time from Mark Twain. I really wanted it to be something from like Nicki Minaj, so I didn't sound really pretentious by only quoting historical icons, but what are you going to do? I dig myself some Twain. I like the classics. Anyway, Twain says, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but the really great make you feel that you too can become great. Pretty simple, right? Pretty awesome too. Surround yourself with people who help you become great. Look around you right now. Maybe not right now, but in your friend group, in your family, in your other coworker situations. Look around. You've all had toxic friends. You've all had toxic relationships, people who brought you down, depleted your energy, made you doubt your vision for yourself or your own goals. Acknowledging that is great, like recognizing that there's an issue here. But what did you let happen after you acknowledged it? Did you let it continue? Or did you make a change? Change is hard, especially with friend groups, family, coworkers. How do you just lop those people off? You can easily get stuck in a world and let negativity become comfortable. Let it become your new normal. Let it become something you accept. But when you surround yourself with the right people, magic can happen. Those people that build you up, make you feel even better than you feel about yourself, that brings you to a whole new level because Mark Twain said so. Seriously though, I know I'm being a little bit snarky, but personally, professionally, all of it can grow if you're surrounded by the right people. I'm not saying yes people. I'm not seeing people that tell you that you're great all the time, but those who challenge and build without just dumping negativity on you. At iHire, our parent company, everyone upon hiring goes through a strength finders analysis. Literally as it sounds, it's an assessment. It's like a quiz you take to identify your main strengths. Notice, it's all positive. It's not strengths and weaknesses. Here's what you're great at. Here's what you're bad at. It's all levels of strength, where you are great. And you can then take from that, if there's 34 categories of strengths, you can determine some you're not as strong in and you can work on, but it gives you an idea of where your greatest strengths are. And these concepts, they run the gamut from innovation to empathy and a lot of other traits that are important in in any kind of workplace or world satisfaction. So I find this interesting. On our 20-person marketing team, almost everyone has Achiever in their top five strengths. I bring this up because everyone is different. Everybody has different combinations. 
but we're all guided by a desire to achieve. This helps us as a team push each other, grow together, and have a positive focus. Again, I'm not saying surround yourself with others just like you. We're all still very different people, but we are grounded in some similar outlooks and motivators, which can be really powerful. You can't exactly put your friends through a test, so it's not like you're going to know, oh, we are aligned in these different ways, but you'll know. You'll know people that you hang out with that deplete your energy. You'll know people that you hang out with that you feel like you're always just listening and they're not engaging with you. They're taking away something from the conversation. You'll know how you feel when you're around them. And you just have to listen to that feeling and be strong enough to make changes where needed. Which brings us to today's guest. In the early 2000s, Greg Carlson was wide receiver at USC, a two-time national champion wide receiver at USC. His roommate... Heisman Trophy winner, Matt Leinart. After graduating, Greg followed his love of tech and innovation into the gaming world, Blue Label Games, Grab Games. Then he started developing his own companies. This guy is an innovator and an entrepreneur. He's always had the steady growth of incredible learning opportunities and a chance to really push himself into new areas that he could be a founder, a CEO, a developer, an innovator. But there was always this lingering idea he had and wanted to explore combining his sports acumen, his network, and emerging technologies. You've heard on this show a lot. Over the last couple of years, we've talked a great deal about NFTs, NIL, names, image, and likeness, and esports. We've talked about them each individually through the lens of different companies that have emerged, through the lens of different policies that have come forward. We talk about these things because they're the direction the sports world is headed. Greg had an idea to combine them into one platform, and it is blowing up the sports world. I'll let Greg explain the details, but imagine this. Imagine a video game with available and tradable NFT avatars, plays, scenarios, built with amateur athletes' involvement who are then allowed to make NIL money from them. This is a really cool life cycle. This is a really cool product, long-term benefit to users of the platform and to the student-athletes themselves. We're talking best of both worlds. It's called Hall of Goats. And guess who's on Greg's board of advisors? None other than Matt Leinert. Talk about the company you keep. This is one of my favorite interviews of 2022, so buckle up. Here's Greg Carlson, CEO and founder of Hall of Goats. Hey, Greg. Super excited to have this conversation. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So before we get into the nuance of Hall of Goats and your career path from graduating from USC as a two-time national champion wide receiver, (laughs) uh, give everyone a little bit of a background to kick things off. What is Hall of Goats and what are you guys doing in the sports NFT world right now? Yeah, so Hall of Goats is a blockchain-based video game company that is aiming to give college athletes a way to monetize their name, image, and likeness um, through a video game, right? So if you're a fan of a, of a player of some sort, you know, I think the NFT uh, ownership does two things. One, it's part speculative, right? Where he's your favorite player. Maybe he goes on to win um, Heisman, a trophy of some sort, a national championship, mm-hmm. become a first round draft pick. Um, you know, there's that piece, but also, the ability to use that, uh, you know, your favorite character and you, you actually own that character and get to play with them in a video game is something that we're really excited about providing, you know, fans of college sports. You know, look, the reality is 98% of kids don't go pro. So right. what this does, and, and even if you're, 
you know, a highly, you know, successful college player doesn't necessarily mean that your NFL or NBA career is going to be as accolade ridden as your college career might be. So the idea here is, Hey, you know, let's have you, let's help you strike while the iron's hot in high school and college for sure. Connect you with your fan base, um, allow them to invest in you and your future and play with you in, in a video game, you know, and look, the NFT can be leveled up through gameplay, through microtransactions, which is, you know, just a, a game method of monetization. But the athlete, you know, gets to reward their audience for that NFT ownership. And it also allows the athlete to earn revenue every step of the way. So if I'm playing with the Caleb Williams, you know, character in the video game, and I spend time and money leveling up that character, I have the ability to go sell that on a secondary marketplace and either make an ROI of some sort or at least some of my money and time back. Because right now, you know, the way that video games in this web 2.0 world work is the money and time that you spend on a game stays within those ecosystems. And I think that that's the exciting technology um, on blockchain that allows us to you know, kind of change the landscape in the way that games are monetized and the real ownership from players in video games is, is what I'm excited about. There's so many interesting aspects of this, the NIL side, the NFT side, but let's start with that video game side. What is the actual game itself? What does the actual play look like? What is it? Sure. So um, it's an arcade style, think like NFL Street or NFL Blitz type of experience, super over the top physics, dramatic tackling, <laughs> celebrations, awesome. taunting, dancing, um, taunting, seven, yes. yeah, yeah. seven on seven. <laughs> um, so it's not like a full simulation. Let's get more shit talking. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that that's, that's, uh, you know, the exciting part of these games and, and, and those are the moments that tend to go viral, right? Like, you know, somebody makes a big play and, you know, gets up, he's super hyped about it, or she's super hyped about it and, and kind of puffs their chest out a little bit. And, you know, that's good stuff. And I, you know, I'm all about the, uh, the friendly side of competition, if you will. Oh yeah, totally. Let's keep it friendly. Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's got, it's, it's part of the fun of it. I totally get that. And I think that's a fun angle on it too. And you can see that, that really hitting, you know, product market fit a lot in a lot of ways for what you're aiming for. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a strong believer that some of the best innovation comes from people who have lived with a problem and then are trying mm-hmm. to do something about it. So like mm-hmm. I said, two-time national champion at USC as a, as a wide receiver, you guys couldn't monetize back in the day. You and your teammates could have made a lot of money, but if you even got somebody to pay a meal, you had to worry about your your, uh, eligibility. How much did your inability to monetize kind Mm -hmm. of inspire you to help others who are student athletes today and start to monetize? Yeah, so at the time when I was on the team playing, right, like we were just so excited to be there, right? We were having great success. You know, we felt like we were on top of the world, right? We felt like, in Los Angeles, there was no NFL team, so we were really like the main attraction. Kings. We had you guys yeah, were we kings. 90, <laughs> we were we were um, selling out the Coliseum, you know, ninety two thousand, a hundred thousand, whatever that looked like. Our practices, our practice field would have thousands of people on the fields for practice. So it was a, it was a great, exciting time, and we were just happy to be there. I think you know, you get older and you look at monetization and, and salaries and all of this crazy stuff. And you realize that when you step back on campus at USC, the amount of buildings that have erected since our playing days at USC, 
the campus looks wildly different than when it did when we were there. Mm-hmm. The facilities have all improved, you know, all, everything's gotten so much better. And, you know, we'd be naive if we didn't think that we were directly responsible for, you know, the, the growth that the, the campus and the university saw after yeah. our playing days, right, with the Pete Carroll era, et cetera. You know, and, and again, we were just happy to be there. When I was at SC, I started taking technology entrepreneurship classes and I fell in love with technology. So mm-hmm. I went into that when I left USC. I started at a startup that got acquired. So I had a really early taste in my career of like the MA process and what that looked like. And yeah. that just fueled me even more to go and create like really cool, innovative technologies and and uh, and build cool stuff and, and be a trailblazer in that sense. Um, the iPhone came out on the scene in 2009, and I thought that was a revolutionary moment in time in technology. Smartphone yep. devices and the proliferation of 4G and now 5G, these devices in your pocket and in your hand are as mm-hmm. powerful as computers are. So it was just a matter of time before that phone dominated everybody's kind of day-to-day activity. So here we are, fast forward to 2000. You know, and I am starting to pay attention to not only blockchain and crypto, but NFTs more specifically. And then I got into yep. NBA Top Shots, which I thought was an awesome product. That was really my first experience with NFTs. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. Clearly, I wanted to get into like the college aspect of that, but it wasn't allowed because NIL yeah. wasn't a thing at this point. So I um, got, you know, through my relationships and my network over the years, I've built games, I've got into esports, things like that. So I wanted to do kind of like the equivalent of what NBA Top Shots was doing, but for the Call of Duty Professional League. And, you know, I go down that rabbit hole and it turns out that the esports organizations, you know, are, are a little bit difficult and not sure about NFTs at the time. Yeah. And Activision owns the publishing rights for Call of Duty anyway. So, you know, unless you're going to raise a hundred million dollars to go mm-hmm. do all of this, like that wasn't really, a, it wasn't feasible. So all the while I had been developing an NFT marketplace on my side, because I'm a software developer, custom software developer over the last 15 years. So yeah. I had been working towards that at the same time in July of last year, this NIL decision comes down and mm-hmm. now everything is, starts to fit. <laughs> this, is the, this is the moment in time where my technology yeah. background, my athletic background, my network, the ability for college kids to make money. This is this is the inflection point where I decide, okay, this is, I'm you know my passion for sports, my background in technology is finally there's a place here where I can marry the two and make mm-hmm. a really cool impact because you know our mantra is helping kids develop a digital brand identity and make money while they can. Yeah, um, I read an article a few months back that said that. You know, Reggie probably would have made between four and six million a year if oh, NIL yeah. was around when he was. And you have to assume that Leinert was right around that same ballpark in terms of the money that he was able to make. So Leinert and I were roommates in college, good mm-hmm. buddies. You know, we connected last November. I told him what, you know, my idea about Hall of Goats and how I want to really help college athletes make money and, um, you know, give them a platform, you know, with a long tail opportunity of revenue, which was the video game. Yeah. He, he really liked the idea and, you know, his passion for helping kids make money, you know, very much in line with mine. Obviously, look at our background and our history at SC. 
um, and the fact that he should have been paid long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was this was just a a no brainer for the both of us. So we partnered up. We went and you know connected with Caleb. Told him about yeah. the idea and the vision. His group really liked it, and here we are signing athletes and you know putting together all the pieces to go build out this video game and this company and scale this thing. And, and hopefully, it's one of these you know. 10, 20 year type of businesses that are really helping kids and, and shape what the future of college sports and um, revenue generating opportunities look like. I want to dig into the Matt and, and Caleb stuff in a little bit, because I think mm-hmm. that's super important for the growth of a company. And that's really interesting to lean into. But I'm curious too, like we've talked about NIL a lot over the last year, because I think it's one of the most interesting things that's happened in the sports industry and something that's a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And in the last year, we've seen it activate in a lot of different ways. There's been parts that interested me and I was blown away by and others I was like, that's, you know, that's weird how that's working or whatever. But you're the first one that I've really heard that's leveraging the concept together of NIL and NFTs kind of together and focusing mm-hmm. it towards the college, the student athlete, which I think is is definitely a new angle and niche, which I think is great. Why do you think that is the right methodology for the student athletes? Why is the combination of video game, NFT, working with that NIL concept, mm-hmm. why is that that right mix? Yeah. So what I love about NFTs and the blockchain is, you know, the ability for us to take a snapshot at any point in time and show the athlete who their fan base is and who, who, who actually owns their NFTs and is supporting them. In yeah. addition, you can see at what point somebody jumped on board to support you, right? So if you're a high school senior just committed to some university and launch an NFT, you can see immediately who your supporters are and reward them at that point for being early adopters to you as, as, a, as a student athlete. You know, you take... Shohei Otani, right? And his baseball cards are, you know, super valuable and, you know, exclusive and, uh, you know, all of, all of that, which is great. Yeah. But when his card gets resold on eBay, Shohei Otani has zero idea who those owners are, right? Yeah. That's why I think the blockchain technology is fascinating because these student athletes can reward their NFT holders at any point that they want and build a digital brand as a result. They can do meet and greets, autograph signings, merch drops, and all of these things can be focused on their NFT holders. Um, So I love the technology because it gives these student athletes a direct line of communication to their holders and they can reward as much or as little as they want. Really, I understand the schedules of a student athlete and how little time that they have. But if they, if they want to lean into their audience and build a digital brand, they've got the opportunity to do it right now. Yeah. It gives them the option. That's super Mm -hmm. cool. Cause I see a lot of these NIL deals and it's somebody doing a, you know, an advertisement or whatever. And you see that as like a one-off event, Mm -hmm. but this is longer tail as you keep saying, which I think is really cool. Around 2010, you mentioned the iPhone in, what was that, 07? No, around 2010. I think it was 09. Yeah, 09, I think is when the iPhone released. Yeah. yeah, And then social media kind of kicked up a whole other level too because Twitter and Facebook and others had launched already, but that pushed them up a whole other level. And we saw like a Wild West kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. A lot of third-party companies trying to innovate, get in that space, make supplemental, you know, technology that worked within social media. Mm -hmm. It feels like we're in that moment again right now. Like there's a kind of a wild west going on with Web3, blockchain, NFTs, all of that. 
Yeah. Does it feel like a, a race to fit the needs out there? And if so, does that put a lot of pressure on you and your team to, to get out there and get your foothold in the marketplace? Definitely. You know, I think that what you saw last summer, right? 2021 was like the, the big explosive year of NFTs. Yeah. Um, I think that what you're seeing now is a correction in the market and it's super healthy in all businesses. But I also think that in terms of crypto and NFTs, we're still in early, early innings, probably the first inning. Oh, yeah. So I think that what you're starting to see is smart people with you know bankrolls come in and try and tackle this NFT space the right way. And and build brands on you know in in this Web three space. I think that what you saw last year was a bunch of cash grab stuff and and projects that weren't well thought out and didn't have really great roadmaps and, and thought behind it. Yeah, it was more people that you know understood social, were able to get a product you know upright um, pretty quickly, standing up pretty quickly, and then just trying to take advantage of the thirst and, and some of the greed I think in NFTs and the whole get rich quick kind of schemes. Um, But I think what you're seeing now is utility and roadmap and team and message all have to be, you know, the foundation of of these projects. And and those are the ones that are going to succeed. 98% of these NFT projects you're going to see, you know, wash out and and evaporate um, over the Mm -hmm. next few months. So does it put pressure on us? Yeah, absolutely. And we welcome it, right? Like I think, What's, what's good about what we're doing is is our goal and our mission is to help kids first and foremost and yeah. build a really fun game. We're not building a, you know, a, a complicated tokenomics-based Web3 game. This is a fun video game that includes mm-hmm. NFTs and allows holders to play with their favorite players and you know, get some of their time and money back that they put into the game. You talked about that thirst of people in this marketplace. Whenever there's big money and big opportunity, you get a lot of bad actors too, right? You get a lot of people coming in doing less than reputable things. Uh, Outside of wanting student athletes on your platform, you know, because you know you have integrity and you're doing it the right way, what advice would you give to those student athletes who maybe – you know, are, are a little bit daunted by this, this NIL world and aren't mm. sure how to get into the NFT space or aren't sure what's worth it or what's not and how to avoid. I mean, not only as a business owner, but also as a, a former student athlete, what kind of advice would you share with those student athletes that are trying to explore this, this space safely? Yeah, I think, you know, reach out to people that are, you know, in position that can help you, whether it's reading through a contract or, um, doing a little bit of research on people that present opportunities to you. You know, when it comes time to working with a, a brand or a product, actually like the brand or product yeah, that's being like, pitched Like the to, product right? is a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and as yeah. si- silly and trivi- trivial as that sounds, right? Like, yeah. it, it's not going to feel organic if you mm-hmm. are promoting something that you don't actually believe in or, or like yourself. Right. So like I think that's a critical piece, right? When you're going to promote or or you know sponsor some kind of brand or, ad, or or advertise something on your platform, make sure that it's something that you actually like and would use on your own. Um, yep. Get help on the contract side because, you know, I guess that you know to your point, there's a lot of bad actors in this space and yep. all trying to you know put their hooks into these kids because they think they see them as as opportunities for them to make money as well. Exactly, um, but I think the the 
the good thing that's come out of this NIL thing is that there are marketing reps that are that are working with kids now that can help guide them along the way as it, as it relates to the contracts and the fine print. Yeah. But if you're a kid, like reach out to counselors, um, whether it's at your high school or a college or, you know, a lot of these universities now have collectives in place. So reach out to your athletic department and the collectives and have them help you with contract and reading it and understanding everything that you're signing up for. Don't, don't just sign something blindly because the money sounds good. You know, it's, that's not always the case. So, so do your homework. Yeah, the contract can be the the fine print can be the scary part. Like that sure. they own you for an infinity in some ways. You know, like they can be a lot of time and scope issues that fall into this that you want to get advisement on. Uh, speaking uh-huh. of advisors, uh, on your board of advisors, you mentioned earlier Matt Leinart. Everybody's mm-hmm. familiar with that name. Caleb Williams, USC's current starting quarterback, face of college football right now. Mm-hmm. It's awesome when you can create a cool product like you guys are doing. But if you can't amplify it in the marketplace, if you can't get the word out, if you can't let people know about it and feel energized by it, sometimes mm-hmm. the best product doesn't win. So how much does it mean to you right now to have that kind of that kind of star power backing as well to get this thing really kicked off and in the eyes and ears and brand awareness out there to everybody that, that could be interested in this? It's huge. And, and you know, we're fortunate, right? Not every not every startup can go out there and get a Matt Leinart and a Caleb Williams. Not everybody has a college roommate who's a Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, I was at the right place at the right time, right? So, well played. Nice job. <laughs> so so on, on that side, it's tremendous, right? Again, like I can go into meetings and say, hey, our co-founders, Leinart and Caleb Williams, and it immediately gives us credibility, right? So, yeah. so that's huge. Um, you know, the reality is even as big as Matt and Caleb are from a star power perspective, I still have to go out and spend a ton of capital on marketing and promotion yeah. around this product because those two aren't, you know, again, fantastic that we have them on board, but, you know, my marketing plan isn't, okay, let Mar- let Matt and Caleb tweet once a week. Like there's, right. you gotta a, whole get out lot, there, yeah. there's a whole lot more that goes into it than just those two. But I mean, Again, we are so lucky and fortunate to have those guys as part of our founding team because they're huge, right? I mean, again, yeah. my meeting conversations start off on such, on the right foot because of who's you know a part of the project, which is massive for us. Is and any startup to have two two guys like that on your co-founding team is great. Yeah, I saw you and Matt both speaking at the Hashtag Sports Conference recently and was impressed by not only your passion for it, but, I mean, Matt seems genuinely engaged. It's not just like a a little side project kind of thing. Like, he seems Mm -hmm. genuinely passionate about it too, which I think comes through. It's pretty clear, and it's, it's nice to see that happen. I saw a statement from Caleb, which I thought was interesting. He was talking about his involvement in Hall of Goats, and he said he had been trying to figure out how to get into the digital collective NFT space for a while. I'm summarizing a little bit, but he joined Hall of Goats because he finally saw a platform that helps amateur athletes build their brands, tell their stories, and set them up for long-term success. Mm-hmm. It all sounds great. I, I, the part that I kind of latched onto there was the long-term success. Mm-hmm. That stand, stood out to me a lot. How does, how does that work? Like, how does how it goes? I know you talked about a little bit with the video game side, but dig into that a little bit deeper. How does this present, not, not like that one-time transactional thing for a, for a student athlete, but long-term success? How does it grow for them? Yeah, so uh, because of the video game, right, the video game can have a 10-year, 20-year shelf life, right? The student athlete, not only do they make money on that primary drop of their, of their player avatar, 
but they earn a 5% royalty on all transactions in perpetuity, right? So if their avatar gets bought and sold on the secondary marketplace, they get a 5% commission on all of those things. Additionally, they get rev shares on, for example, if I own the Caleb NFT playable character and I want to spend $100 to level up his speed, his agility, his power, his strength, things like that, Caleb sees a rev share on all of those microtransactions. And then um, part of our game is going to be these season passes that are, you know, um, two-month type of mini seasons, if you will. Um, And then we'll also have digital merchandise where you can customize your avatars and things like that. But each athlete that comes on the platform, that signs up for the platform, gets effectively a promo code assigned to them. So if I'm a gamer and I'm going to buy a season pass – for this upcoming season and i use the caleb williams promo code caleb gets to see a percentage of those sales um, as well it's really cool and and the longevity piece again like you know liner's one of my favorite quarterbacks all time in college right and yeah. his pro career you know uh, you know pros is, is a different animal you got to be in the right place right time system coach all kinds of things oh, yeah. have to pan out yep. um, but you can't dispute Matt's success as a college player and the fan base that loves him for his college experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're we're talking to college football legends, and yep. I won't get into names, but you can imagine guys that we played against and and yeah. um, guys that had amazing college careers, had good pro careers, but their college careers are just iconic. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. iconic. So those types of, of players that, that didn't have the NFL success still have an opportunity to connect with a fan base that wants to lean into them and play with them because they're their favorite player all time. So That's even cool. those guys, legends that aren't in college anymore, we're giving them an opportunity to generate revenue from, you know, their ownable character in a video game as well. So I'm sold, um, man. This is really cool. I love talking about it. This is really cool. I love this. This whole environment makes so much sense. So, sure, I mean, yeah. it's so easy to understand how it can all work and give benefit to a lot of different people in the chain. I mean, it's it makes so much sense. I do wonder, and I'd love your 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 thoughts on this. In the sports industry, we've talked for ages now about college athletes getting into the pros and getting a ton of money. Mm-hmm. not being financially savvy, not being yeah. trained or taught the right ways, going broke quickly. Yeah. And that's a continuous problem. It seems to happen all the time. And there's a documentary and there's a lot of pearl clutching, but nobody does anything about it or sure. very few people do. Now we're talking about bringing money to their world earlier, younger. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. much of a burden do you and other companies that are in this NIL space have to take on for teaching financial literacy, helping people get smarter in this role? How much? How do you envision your role in that process of solving some of these problems? Yeah, I think that we'd be silly not to think that we have responsibility to help these kids with financial literacy. Um, one of my former teammates, uh, his name's David Kurtman. He was a fullback at USC. He worked at JPMorgan Chase as a private banker. And we have had numerous discussions about setting up a, you know, a discord, uh, type of, uh, event for all of our student athletes that we sign where either it's once a month or once a quarter, have him do a presentation on financial literacy and investing your, your money and doing things the right way. Um, we still got to come up with, with that program looks like the curriculum, et cetera, and, and how we go about that. But yeah, we have a, a huge responsibility for trying to help these kids with financial yeah. literacy. You know, I also think that it's hard to like 
put another thing on an 18 year old's plate when you know yep. they're trying to make money, trying to provide for their families. I, I, we all know that you know a, a large number of student athletes that play in college and professionally don't come from wealth and and you know upper yeah. class type of socioeconomic opportunities. Mm-hmm. So you know, yes, we have a huge responsibility. It is up to us to educate kids with financial literacy and. You know, we plan on tackling that through, you know, again, through our Discord presentations to the student athletes. But we also want to let them know that, hey, if you've got questions about taxes and Mm -hmm. planning and investing and, you know, IRAs and all these things, like you can always come and ask us and, you know, we'll do our best to to point you in the right direction and give you all the guidance that you need. A true partnership. And I think that everybody, you know, when you look at this whole NIL process, I think everyone is a lot of most people have been like, good, it's a long time coming. This is well earned, well deserved. Like you said, you guys built the campus. Um, <laughs> but but that, that other side of it, that financial literacy and making sure they're set up for success. Taxes is such a great point. Like, yeah. man, how would they possibly be prepared for that? So I, I loved hearing that there's at least some focus in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing I, th- I think to have an idea and then just start to make it a reality. It's a whole nother thing to make it like executed well. As you look back in this process of getting from idea to actual product, what were those key moments that took Hall of Goats from that like good idea to real thing we can go to market with? What were some of those key things that needed to happen to give you that kind of confidence? Yeah, one is, I mean, raising a little bit of capital helps, right? Because, you know, you got cash money, baby. But just, you know, from a design standpoint, right? Like I've invested my own money on the technology and the NFT platform itself, but, you know, getting a um, top tier design firm involved on the branding and the designs of the NFTs and, and the look and feel of everything like that's that was a critical piece for us. And that like, good looking sign behind you too, that <laughs> yeah, all yeah. good sign that's. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see. Go ahead. Sorry. Exactly, Don't be yeah. interrupt. <laughs> no, no. But, but it, I mean, and then, you know, my my lead investor, um, there's a you know guy that works within their firm that has been, you know, instrumental um, for us and kind of acting as a COO and getting his input and his guidance, you know, daily, like has been huge. Yeah. And um, hiring team, right? Like social media marketing and um, our go-to market strategy, our marketing plan, and all of these things that need to go into scaling a business and and going from from idea concept to uh, you know an executable roadmap and uh, having product to sell this fall when yeah. the football season kicks off. So um, you know, look, I've been I've been in this business in the custom software business for years. I don't know the marketing side as well. So like going to my network and asking questions about, Hey, who's a good person to talk to? Who's done this before? Um, and, and relying on that network of people to make introductions to people that have executed at a high level on these things. You know, I mean, you've got to exhaust your network the best you can to, to, you know, at least meet the first five, six people that are going to help you get it off the ground. And there's still Mm -hmm. a ton of work to do. So raising capital, raising more capital, and then, you know, hiring the marketing team to execute and create hype and buzz around our NFT drops and what does the content look like for it and, you know, modeling our business model and our NFTs and our game and there's just so much work to do. So, um, yeah, you know, Gosh, uh, how do you even know where to start some days? I mean, it feels like you probably yeah. overwhelmed, like we're trying to boil the ocean. Like, how do you even know how to prioritize and focus? Yeah, we're, we're, we're certainly drinking through a fire hose here, but yeah. 
Um, you know, we've got, you know, our two week plan, like our two week sprints, or we have our 30, 60, 90 day plan that we just try and execute yeah. against. And some days like something comes up and it becomes a priority for the day. And we try and be nimble in that way and not spend too much time on stuff that, you know, we don't have time to spend on. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's really just, you know, again, our two week plan, um, try and execute against it and have that stay in line with our 30, 60, 90. And, you know, that, that's, that's our approach, you know, not every get fired up for approach. college football season, you that's know, right. like yeah. you gotta, you gotta have a, an end line too. Like things have to happen by a certain point and you gotta have a functioning yeah. product. So, oh gosh, that's daunting. Uh, okay. So we have a lot of student athletes in our audience, mm-hmm. uh, from all levels, a lot, most of them I'm guessing aren't going to go pro, but they're curious about, I love sports. I want to continue working in sports. Yeah. What attributes do you think you developed as a student athlete that still really serve you well today? It's, it's, I would say the two biggest one, one is discipline. You got, you got to get up at, you know, five and be at workout at five thirty, and you don't want to do it. And it's cold and your bed is warm and you know, you're sore from the day you before. You were in LA. It was never cold. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the discipline that that's required to, to compete and perform at a high level and be on a, on a national championship type of team. Yeah. So the discipline for sure. And then the teamwork, right? The communication, right? Like everybody's held accountable on a, on a high level team and you got to know what you're doing. You got to, you know, execute what that game plan is and, and do it with, you know, at a high level with speed. Um, and it's okay to make mistakes as long as you're going fast and, and all of those good things. But I would say that discipline and then teamwork and communication are, are the two, yeah. two or two to three biggest that I, take with Huge. me even today. Oh, love that. All right, we'll finish up with this. I know you got a busy day. Clearly you have a lot to work on still, so we'll <laughs> free you back up to get there out there. But I know I'm so excited to talk about the the product and all you guys are achieving. We'll finish up with this. You're obviously somebody that looks to the future. You're obviously somebody that's in the know. We see a lot of exciting things happening in the sports industry right now. NIL, NFTs, AI, all these different things happening. Blockchain, Web3. What excites you when you look out even five, 10 years into the future that still has this long runway or something new or some new way of applying it to fan engagement or whatever it may be? What yeah. excites you and kind of has your eye a little bit? Oh, man, tough one. Um, you know, look, I'm excited for the Web3 opportunities that come up over the next few years in sports, right? Um, I think that, again, crypto is still really early. Um, yeah. Digital wallets, like, onboarding a user into this web three crypto world is terribly difficult for some reason. Um, and, and it doesn't need to be as complex as it is. I think, yeah. I think the user experience is going to get very much tightened up over the next year, year and a half. Um, and it'll be even easier for people to onboard into this web three, you know, space and world. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited for the web three companies that launch over the next year or so in sports that are sports focused, because I think, you know, again, what the blockchain does is it it can verify ownership or it can really reward people for supporting and buying into specific athletes or teams. And it gives brands the ability to, to, you know, peek into who their, who their supporters are. And, and, and that relationship is just going to get better and better. I think, Um, you know, I think that, collectives and universities and, and NCAA regulation, all this stuff is still 
the wild west and that's yeah. going to start to get hashed out over the next year or so i'm excited to see what that starts to look like you know the the migration of teams and conferences i think is going to be exciting how mm-hmm. you know this all comes to, to poor you know, pack 12 does it yeah, make you sad yeah. the pack 12 stuff um you know i can't say that it does I, and like oh interesting you know look i think that looking to the future, right? Like everybody's got to evolve. Um, and I know that a lot of it's based on money and all of that stuff, but I think that, you know, Notre Dame's USC's biggest rival outside of UCLA and they're halfway across the country. I think that games against Michigan and Ohio state and Penn state are going to be awesome for USC. And that's what the people would like to see. You know, I you know, I don't know how many Epic, you know, Washington State and Oregon State games there have been in the past. Everybody in Pullman, everybody in Pullman just got pissed at you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and again, like, I don't, you know, not to say that, that, that those never existed. By the way, I was part of some great games between oh, I know. SC and Washington State, yeah. right? But, but you know, look, I think that all of these things have to evolve. And, and yeah. you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. But obviously, TV money and, and these things dominate the way that these things are going to shape out, uh, yeah. shape up. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just along for the ride. Obviously I'm going to root for USC and all the players on our platform um, to do yeah. well. And, and I'm excited for that, but um, yeah, uh, you know, there's so much, I think that hasn't even been announced yet. That's going to happen in, in the sports world um, as it relates to like web three specific companies. And then, yeah, I think the big question mark for me is what's going to happen between universities and collectives uh, over the next few years? Because I think what you're seeing now is I don't know that it's sustainable yeah. with some of these, you know, athletes getting, you know, multi-million dollar deals when some of them might not even play and get mm-hmm. injured and enter the transfer portal. And, you know, I think that uh, that stuff's got to correct itself pretty soon here. It's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. Greg Carlson, great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Hall of Goats is super cool. I'm glad we we're able to get it out to our audience. So thanks for the conversation. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, man. It was fun. Fun one. Thank you to Greg for coming on the show. So I met Greg at Hashtag Sports Conference. He and Matt were up on the stage together. And initially in some of these conversations about NFTs, Esports, and I'm like, I start to think to myself, you know, do I fully get it? Do I fully see the lens here of how this is a product that makes sense for the future? And in listening to Greg and in talking to Greg, I think he does such a great job of articulating value to multiple parties to really explain how users can have a fun and engaging experience that they can invest in through the NFTs and trade on the marketplace, and value can be provided to student athletes and. Again, I hit this perspective of, I think we all innovate best where we've lived through a prior scenario. Greg was a student athlete. Greg lived this world where he could have profited and didn't and wasn't able to. And now being able to tap into that knowledge, that experience, and start to make a platform that works for everyone, I think is really cool. Keep an eye on Hall of Goats, get into that scene, And thank you for listening because I think Greg is a pretty inspirational story as well. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It's important to us as we grow. And I'll see you guys on Monday.